Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end, it's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving. And now, welcome to the Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. Live on the Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. Immediately. Fucking, fucking immediately. <laughs> hey, get out of that trash can. Shop boy, Oh, he knows it's a classic movie. I'm still a mouthful. Yes, I did. He's like, last time. John Dice. Welcome back to another quarantined edition of the Heels and Quads Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host, Tommy, at Mr. Tommy Walter on Twitter. Joining me. This evening, this morning, this afternoon, whenever the fuck you're listening to this during quarantine, is Francis Kip Stevens, Kip Stevens, Kip, Evil Kip. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and a place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed, and together, we can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed, insured by NCUA. Our listeners know him, a.k.a. as Larry. Um, Chip, <laughs> what's going on, man? Hey, how you doing, Tommy? Uh, it only took a global pandemic to make this happen, but uh, finally, finally, the, our uh, worlds have aligned. Yeah, we've been trying to get this done since November because, I, I mean, I've known of you for a while now. I actually knew of you. I was following you on Twitter before uh, the person that you, you know, you're with now is also a friend of mine. So I kind of, it was kind of weird because I knew who you were and I knew of you. So when I found out who <laughs> this person was <laughs> dating, I was like, holy shit, I actually know who that is. That's weird. Yeah, very, very small worlds. And I'm always like amazed when people... Uh, find out about me on like social media because that's one thing I am terrible at. But hopefully, you're awful uh, at it, dude. You're awful at it. Yeah. Well, hopefully, you know, this uh, podcast will give me some more follows, some more likes, and uh, maybe some more advice on how to social media better. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, that's kind of what I do. I I feel like I'm on it too much, but then again, I feel like I'm on it not enough because. Our followers even, it's like, okay, I know how many listens we get, and our followers on Twitter and Instagram don't show that at all. But I hate <laughs> Facebook, so I don't get it. It's such a strange thing, and, you know, with this pandemic, everyone's like, oh, you, 
now you got to do content, content, content. And it's always content. And I'm just like, you know, I, I don't get me wrong. I, I love doing promos and I love doing things like that. But a part of me, it's like when you force somebody to do it, then it doesn't come off as natural. Like, yeah, it, it I, doesn't I, flow organically. Yeah. And that's something that like, you know, I could just put up whatever and hope for the best. But a lot of times I, I'm somebody that kind of likes to have like a motivation. And once I get to sink my teeth into something, then I'm like, yeah, let's do everything. So it's kind of like all or nothing with me. Yeah, it's hard when you don't have any matches coming up to 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 have a promo come to you organically. And it feels forced. You're like, oh, yeah, once this is over, I'm coming for you at the VFW Hall and, and uh, you know, <laughs> in Waterloo, New Jersey. <laughs> yeah, and I, you have no idea. And, and who knows how many plans change for promoters. It's just it is a very crazy, crazy, crazy time right now. Uh, not just for me, I'm sure for everybody uh, on the independent uh, wrestling scene. So all I could say is, you know, just once this is all over, we're all going to probably be out killing ourselves and doing crazy stuff because we've been, you know, indoors for this long. So now we're all going to be jumping off things with reckless abandon. Can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be a good time for everybody, not just you guys, but the fans too. Because I know, I mean, wrestling's still happening. You know, there's the big two that are still going. But, you know, there are, like, people like us who who love watching the indies and love watching these people who aren't on TV every week. Now with IWTV and High Spots Network and all that stuff, it's a little different. But still, I mean, we we want that independent feel where we can go to a show and find somebody that we might not have heard of, but they make us a fan. Somebody like you who, you know, you're not a world-renowned name. I mean, you, you have the talent to get there someday, but you're not right now. So, I mean, do you feel like this is hurting you? Like, not just financially and not just, like, work rate, but do you feel like it's, like, mentally, is this affecting you, like, going forward in wrestling? So, it's funny that you say that. Um, it was just this week, like, once this pandemic started, I was just, I'm very, I'm very somebody who's, like, all right, this is what it is. Don't be upset about it. Just we'll deal with it. And when shows come back, you know, I'm going to get on the grind again, kind of like that. But this, this past week was like a week where I was really like, man, I just miss getting in the ring and bumping. I miss getting in the ring and like having that strike exchange, you know? So th this week has been tough and I've been watching a ton of wrestling and I've been seeing like so much stuff. I'm like, Oh man, I can't wait to try this. I can't wait to try this. So it's this was like the first week where I've really been like I'm I'm hungry to get back now, um, you know, it, it, I think sometimes a little bit of a break can recharge your batteries. So th th there are some benefits, but again, for the most part, like again, when you're not in somebody's face, you know, you kind of get forgotten about. So you know, that's my whole thing. Is right now I'm kind of thinking more about like once I once this pandemic is over, just. I really want, I just want to hit the ground running. Um, as far as fans, I, I think like you, this is a great opportunity for fans to really like go on those uh, sites like IWTV or H the High Spots Network and just find a random promotion you've never heard of and just watch one of their shows. You like independent wrestling is like a Forrest Gump, like box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. You might find some <laughs> of the worst wrestlers on there, but you might find somebody like, wow, I've never heard of this guy. And this guy's amazing. Uh, so that's something that I think, you know, 
as far as an independent wrestler speaking to fans listening, I think that's the best thing you could do right now to support independent promotions and things like that. Obviously going on like pro wrestling tees, helping out that way, or just even just bringing out awareness to somebody like, Hey, I just saw this random match and this guy really came out of nowhere. Like, you know, that's something that fans could do to help us out. And especially with you, you know, cause I know you mainly from like create a pro wrestle pro, all that stuff. Cause I watched that stuff. I watched it before I even know who knew who you were before I followed you on social media. That's how I found you originally was watching those shows. Mm-hmm. So I was going to ask you how, like, I know like, Oh my God, RJ city, like always on Twitter about how everybody has a fucking podcast and the stupid podcast questions. But I mean, for somebody who, you know, people haven't sunk their teeth into yet. They, they like to know these stories and yeah, I know people have wrestlers have told their stories so many times, but like, how, how did you, how did you find, you know, create a pro? How did you, you know, really like get into it? All right. So I think that's kind of like a two part thing. And like, cause I didn't start a create a pro. So I think we'll go to the beginning uh, for anybody who doesn't. Yeah. Go, go from the beginning and then, yeah, go. Yeah. For anybody who doesn't know the uh, Kip Stevens origin story. So uh, I was like always obsessed with wrestling. I think that's the standard answer from anybody who's in wrestling more or less. Like they watch it since they were younger and I'm no different, but um, I was always very small. Like I did, I was one of the smallest people in high school, both like height and weights. I hit a growth spurt when I finally got into college, but I was never big, muscular, athletic or anything, but I would love wa- watching wrestling. It wasn't until I went to a Ring of Honor indie show and I saw Colt Cabana perform and I was like, oh, wow. Like, so you don't have to be Triple H or Chris Jericho. You could be a guy like this. And he's, he was connecting with the crowd like by breaking that fourth wall and kind of winking at everything. And that was when I was, was thinking, man, I could maybe do this one day. Um, and then I just happened uh, to be working at a health and fitness trade show and a wrestling school had a booth set up there, uh, NYWC, New York Wrestling Connection. And I walked by a couple times and they were like, you know, showing, you know, a DVD of one of their shows. And then I got to talking to their champion at the time, a guy by the name of Dickie Rods. And, you know, me and him were just talking and he was like, hey, you should come to one of our shows one day. And I don't know what possessed me, but I just had the courage and I just was like, oh, you know, if you had a school, it'd be cool if I could do that and maybe become a wrestler. And I was expecting to be laughed at or kind of being told, oh, no, you can never do this. But instead he was like, oh, yeah, you should definitely do it. I mean, you seem very respectful. It seems like you have a passion, you know, give it a shot. And the fact that he encouraged me to do it is really was just the kind of like that push I needed to pursue this. Um. And I was at NYWC for, I would say, about five to seven years. And a lot of people might not have heard of the school, but you've heard of some of the graduates from there. Uh, Mikey from the Spirit Squad, uh, Kurt Hawkins, Zach Ryder, Ryder. Tony Neese, Trent Beretta, Alex Reynolds, John Silver. So when I got into the school, Trent Beretta was still there. Neese was there. Alex and Johnny were there. And... I always joke, like I, I went in there and I trust me, I was like 120 pounds, like n- the athletic ability of a slug. Um, <laughs> but, and here I am like, and again, I haven't done any athletics for a long time. And here I am like, Oh, I'm going to go for it. And it was very much like, Holy crap. Was I 
way in over my head. Uh, and it was very much like a sink or swim like mentality at the time. It was like, if you were messing up in class, you'd get dirty looks from everybody because everybody's looking at you like you're wasting our time. We're all here because we want to make something of ourselves and you're just wasting our time. And it was like, wow. Um, but that, but that was kind of a good thing for me because it really motivated me to become better. Cause again, I wanted to be in that inner circle with, with guys like, you know, Trent and niece and everybody. Uh, and what was cool is because of uh, those guys and because of our proximity in New York, we would have WWE guys come in a lot. So Matt Stryker was somebody who'd come down a bunch. Uh, that's how I got to know Hawkins and Ryder. Uh, we'd have seminars. We had Eugene. We had Dean Malenko. Gosh, Tommy Dreamer. I can't tell you how many seminars we dave taylor was a fun one just how many like really and just insane people like from the indies coming down like colt cabana would come down it was really a very i was very fortunate to be there so now that we have the first part of that how did i know about creative pro uh so hawkins would come down to nywc a lot and he'd do like secret trainings because he wants to stay in shape because he wasn't really on tv too much but he knew that he wants to still stay in ring shape. So he would have a key and he kind of let a few people know about like, Hey, I want to get in there and work out. And I was fortunate enough to be in that group. So that's how uh, Brian and I got super close. And when uh, his first run at WWE was kind of coming to a close, uh, he wanted to open up a wrestling school. Uh, I stayed loyal to NYWC at first. Uh, then I moved to Oregon. And when I came back, uh, I was like, you know what? Like, I need to change things up. Like, I, I want, I wanted to take those next steps in my career. And, you know, looking from afar, just seeing, even in the early stages of Creative Pro, the school, just seeing, like, the guys develop there. A lot of my friends were there. I kind of knew that I had to make a change. So when I came back from Oregon, I, you know, Went to Brian, you know, and he was like, yeah, we'd love to have you here. And, you know, from pretty much like I think the third show on, I've been there. So, it, you know, I wasn't a year one guy, but I've been there for a while. And again, it was probably like the best uh, move I could have ever made in my wrestling career. Do you think that uh, guys like Dave Taylor, you said that name and it just like my heart just like sunk when you said that because I'm like, Somebody like Dave Taylor, like a Bobby Eaton or somebody who, you know, they're, they're these guys that like, if you know, like the inner workings of the business kind of, you know, those are the kinds of guys that you want around you or you want to be in the ring with, or you want to get trained by like a fit Finley. I mean, fit, I mean, like he got his due later on in WWE, but like, he was so fucking good, like in WCW Mm -hmm. and like just watching his matches and stuff. And Dave Taylor, I mean, him and him and Regal, you know, teaming together as the Blue Bloods way back when in the like mid nineties. Like that's a guy that just never got his due. Do you think that's? Do you think them being such a good, you know, Cody uses this term all the time on AEW, quote unquote, good hand? Do you think that makes them a better trainer? <laughs> it's weird. I, I kind of like to go with like a coaching analogy, like for regular sports. Like Magic Johnson was one of the best basketball players of all time, but he was a terrible coach. Like yeah. Michael Jordan, all time greatest, but I think he would always say he didn't, he would never, he was never wouldn't have the patience for it and things like that. Um, but it's weird because you could see a guy like Joe Girardi who to make a baseball thing. He wasn't like a superstar, but he was, a, he's a great manager. 
Um, so that's it's kind of like that in wrestling too. Um, a guy like John Cena might not be the best like day in and day out trainer, but you know a guy like Dave Taylor who who might have the patience and can explain things a little bit better and kind of know what the struggle is all about when you're an underneath guy trying to claw your way up. And just little things like, hey, this is going to give you longevity in your career. Uh, one trainer uh, that I, who also did a seminar at uh, MIWC and it, who is probably the best of all, best trainer of all time, it's probably Dr. Tom Pritchard. And some of the fans might not know, remember him. He was in the uh, Heavenly Bodies. But man, he is a world renowned trainer. And when he came in just for that one seminar, like, half of it was physical and half of it was knowledge. And he was just, you know, dropping like these knowledge bombs about like the landmine that is WWE and how to like navigate it at times. And, you know, it's like, again, Dr. Tom is somebody that, you know, will be looked at quote unquote as a good hand, but when you're in the wrestling business and you like get to spend time with somebody like that. And even though mine was brief, you realize like just how just how great you have to be to be on that level, even if you're just an underneath guy. And again, it, there's a certain art to making people look good. Like even if you're losing and how to still have people get behind you and care about you. There, there's, there's so much to the wrestling business and it's crazy because a lot of times those lower to middle guys are the, are the ones that, you know, have that extra bit of knowledge and cause they know how to make people so much better. Yeah, I mean, you said it right there. It's like one of the reasons why I started a podcast is because I'm such a fan of like, you know, Kurt Hawkins and Zack Ryder. And, you know, there's that's not their name anymore, <laughs> unfortunately. But but I mean, you know, Gallows and Anderson, that's another team that was in the Fed that, you know, I, I loved before that. And then when they went to WWE, I was like, cool. Now I can see them. You know, my kids will get to go see them because, we, you know, it's not like we could travel to Japan to <laughs> see them. But that, that's the kind of thing that made me want to start a podcast. And like, I just, I hate the thing about the thing about being a wrestling fan and having a podcast is like, sometimes you have to separate because some people just get so tired of hearing you talk about it, <laughs> but you, but you find that emotional connection with those under guys sometimes. And you're just like, son of a bitch. Like, when are they going to get it? Because like a guy like Zack Ryder, he, he was there for the longest time. He made his own way. He got there. And then as soon as he started to kind of get on TV, you know, they pushed him off the the, the entrance mm -hmm. ramp, you know, or off the stage. Yeah. And it's like, come on, you know, like, what the fuck did he do to deserve and that? And it's weird. Like, you know, I, I, I can't really speak for every instance whatsoever. But again, like, you know, again, what fans need to remember, too, is sometimes what you see on TV is just the tip of the iceberg. And there's other things that go on behind the scenes. And going back to, like, Dr. Tom would talk about those things all the time. And again, like not, I'm not super, super close with Zack Ryder by any stretch of the imagination, but you know, like some things that you would hear through the grapevine about like, Oh, you know, of course he wishes things would have worked out better and things like that. But again, like, he has nothing to be ashamed of. Like his, his WWE run in my eyes, like he did amazing things there. And again, like yeah. it, now at this point, you know, again, and I hate speaking for him because, again, I shouldn't speak for anybody, but uh, I, I'm really excited to see what he does in the future. And just, you know, 
I think he's looking at this as an opportunity and that's where it's really cool because sometimes again, like look at a guy like Drew McIntyre, you know, he was somebody who, when he got released, he kind of realized he had to make a change and now look at him. He's on top of the world. So sometimes like a little setback like this could be like the best thing for you. And I certainly hope that's the case for, for Ryder. Yeah, and I mean, last week he had the number one selling T-shirt on Pro Wrestling Tees. So that oh god, I was, and I was so happy for him. <laughs> yeah, I, I was too. Um, but back to you. I'm sorry, we got no. It's wrestling talk. I, because I love talking about talking. wrestling. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, okay. So you were you were set to go down to Tampa, correct? Oh yeah, for WrestleMania week. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, what were your feelings when you found out? You know, once this kind of all trickled down and like you know you found out you weren't going to be going like what were your feelings with well, i mean it, obvious disappointment uh I've, you know i i i've done new york like when it was wrestlemania for those uh, i think it was 29 and 36 was wait it was 35 last year so i was i was around for i was around yeah, for those 35. two but i never like really traveled anywhere uh this was really exciting to you know, oh man, I'm going to network. I'm going to, you know, try and get on as many shows as possible. So obviously, you know, that it's, it's, it's a big disappointment. And, you know, for a lot of the promoters that they lost a lot of things, like everybody, everybody lost in that. Uh, and it's unfortunate. Uh, but that being said, like, either I could wallow in that and be like, oh, you know, this could have been everything. Or I could just, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is just move on. Like, all right, nothing I can do about it. It wasn't like I missed out on Tampa because I missed the flight or I was too proud to go. Like this, this affected everybody across the board. And it's one of those things like you just kind of, you know, again, either I could dwell on it or I could just be like, okay, it's what it was. Now let's evaluate and just look forward to when things do open up again. Yeah. What do you think about wrestling on TV right now without fans? What do you, I mean, do you, can you tell a difference? I mean, obviously, you know, because I, I did a lot of live performance when I was younger <laughs> and like singing and stuff. But I and I've performed in front of, you know, eight, ten people before, but I've also performed in front of a thousand people. So I know your shows are better when there's a thousand people compared to eight or ten. And especially do you think like like the AW shows with you know, the, the, the talent down by the, the ring. Do you think that helps them compared to like the WWE product where there's nobody ringside? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I obviously just like anything, any performance related thing, like you, you're there doing it for a crowd. You want people to be invested in you. Um, I, I kind of like how AEW has, you know, students from those local schools around ringside. Uh, I, I, crack up every time seeing a sugar dunkerton there and him getting called out as pineapple pete and uh <laughs> yeah him off the team. and uh vance as well who i known for, knew from the monster factory it's cool seeing him uh at ringside matt sells so for me it, it's cool and you can hear even just that little bit of uh fan interaction is nice um as far as wwe goes i i think they're making the most of it without having fans there and uh for a long time, like they're, they're always told to work for the camera anyway. They're always like, you know, this is for the people at home. So I think that 
you know, the way that they've been trained and stuff like that, I think that that's helped them out because they understand, all right, we're working for the people at home, working for the camera. So, you know, as much as it, yeah, it's a different experience. I think they're making the best of it in the, in the situation. And again, like looking at WrestleMania this year, um, like I still thought the ladder match with uh, Morrison, Kofi and the Uso, uh, I, I thought it was a great match, but you could just kind of tell that without the crowd there, it just was like, Oh man, if this would have been a crowd. This would have been just that, that extra push over the mountain. Same thing with uh, Ziggler and Otis. Like, I bet you if he would have done that kiss with Mandy in front of uh, those 70,000 people, that would have got a huge reaction. So it's kind of a bummer on that sense. But on the other hand, like, I just as myself, I could just watch the match and still appreciate it for what it is. Yeah. Yeah, it's the spots, you know. They're, you know where it's going to get a mm-hmm. pop and where it's not. Um, what did you think about the Loved it. match? Absolutely yeah, loved it. Was it was fucking great. Dude. Yeah. And again, it's... I mean, Jeremy Borash is a is a genius, and he's been one for years. Like he was doing great stuff in TNA, and it, it's interesting because again, the big buzz is you know this is a way to extend the Undertaker's career, and I I, I certainly hope so. Um, you know, it, again, you don't want to have everybody doing boneyard matches, and you don't want to do it frequently because then it becomes less special. But again, like you have a special character like the Undertaker, you can get away with it, and you know, it was entertaining. It, it almost had like that Sharknado, like laugh out loud moments, like, you know, it, which has become a meme now when Undertaker pops up behind AJ after from the grave. Like, <laughs> I think everybody reacted to yeah. that. Like, oh my God, this is so awesome. So I, I think that there, it was definitely a, a win for WWE and, and wrestling fans in general too. Yeah, it killed. It was all over Twitter. That and the Firefly. Firefly, firefly. You can never say that. <laughs> yeah, but then that was another one. It was just a holy jeez, and talk about layers and subtext in a match, and it was just unreal. So I loved it. You felt like you were on acid. <laughs> I've never been on acid, but uh, I will assume it's just like that. <laughs> All right, so uh, I wanted to ask you about this because I asked you before we started the recording. Uh, What's the difference between Francis Kip Stevens, Kip Stevens? All right. So uh, Francis Kip Stevens was my original persona. Uh, One tough nerd kind of evolved into just, you know, the sweetest guy in the world. Just, you know, has tons of fire, tons of passion, wants, you know, wants everybody to be part of the party. He's just happy to be there. You know, anything positive, you know, that's that's what he's all about. KIP, keep it positive. Uh, Kip Stevens is because, you know, Francis Kip Stevens is a very long name. Or Francis Kiplin Stevens is a very long name. And sometimes Kip Stevens is just easier to say on a microphone. Um, and it's, uh, you know... It, I always just want to be Kip Stevens, period. But sometimes you have to acquiesce for a promoter and all right, Francis Kiplin. But, you know, Kip Stevens, just, you know, a little bit more serious, but still a fun-loving guy. Evil Kip is the exact opposite of Francis Kiplin Stevens. I don't want anybody near me. I don't need your approval. I know how great I am. I am the self-absorbed sociopath, a lone wolf. I will 
break through any glass ceiling, take the shards of glass and slice some throats on the way up. I'm going to do whatever it takes to get what I deserve. There you go. What's your, I, this is another one of those questions I hate asking because I know you've been asked a thousand times and every wrestler gets asked a lot of these questions, the same, same questions a thousand times, but you have to ask them, especially for people who want to get to know you. So do you prefer working heel or face? Um, and again, like that, that it, trust me for people who ask away because people are getting issues to me the first time. So thousand and one time i'll answer it but honestly uh this is one of those things like i I, because the characters are so different i get enjoyment either way um i i love being a baby face you know at times i feel like i don't need to do much as a baby face to get a reaction i like to have fun i you know it fits my goofy personality a lot more uh, you know, it's almost like that Stone Cold Steve Austin. Everybody says this, so I kind of roll my eyes, but it's like turning the volume up to 11. Like, really, I am like a dorky guy, and, you know, I just like to – I don't mind making uh, a joke of myself to get a laugh for other people to, to get a laugh because as long as I'm putting a smile on someone's face, I'm I'm thrilled. And in a match, it's fun too because, again, I, I trust who I'm in the ring with, and I know how to pepper my things in there, and I can still make somebody else look great that way. But uh, I've definitely enjoyed being a heel more than I ever thought. Uh, there's, you know, I think I really think the reason why is because I just do the character totally differently. And, you know, people watch me wrestle and they're like, oh, my God, like, I didn't know you could do all that. And I was like, yeah, well, as the baby face who's a nerd, I shouldn't be doing all these, like, spectacular moves. Like, as a heel, like... You know, I can pepper in a little bit more, but still not like go over the top. It's like finding that right balance, uh, and I've and I've found a lot of fun with it. I found a lot of fun in the promos. Just, you know, it's almost like therapy too. I can like everybody has frustration in wrestling at times. It's, this is a great outlet to get some of it out. Where it's like, yeah, I deserve to be on top. I deserve to not be looked over. You know, it's it's kind of cool to have uh, both sides. Uh, you know, different sides of the coin. And that was something too when I turned heel. Everybody was like, oh, he's just going to be uh, the evil nerd. Like, he's going to, you know, you know, be a bad guy nerd. And I was like, no, I'm not going to be a nerd at all. Like, I'm gonna str- I, I wanted a total difference. And that's what's been making this very rewarding for me, to say the least. Moving away from wrestling for a minute, I have to ask you this. Why do you love the <laughs> Patriots so much? Well, you know, they're a winner just like me. Um <laughs> yeah. great fucking answer i mean i hate the patriots but that was that was yes fucking uh, yeah i mean i've been a fan with them for a, for an extremely long time uh even like i i used to love joe montana but i was never a 49ers fan and then when the 49ers did him wrong i'm like well now i want a team and i always dug the old school pat patriot on the white helmet and the red jerseys and even when they made the change to the current flying uh, Elvis logo, I was like, man, they're they're cool. And again, I never liked the Jets and Giants because they say they're from New York, but they play in New Jersey, so they're liars. Goodbye. Right. And being a Jersey kid for me, I had the choice of the two, Ugh. and I chose the Jets. So that makes us our Jets. Yes. Well. <laughs> but, you know, the, the fun thing about sports is you have two different types of fans. 
You have diehard fans who you can debate with all day long and just see eye to eye at some point and just walk away and continue to be friends. Then you have other people who are diehard fans and you can't get a word in fucking edgewise. There is no talking to them. You can't. You can't even be friends with them. Oh yeah, like, I can't tell you how many friends I've. Yeah, I call those Met fans. <laughs> <laughs> we can both agree uh, that my dad's a Mets fan, so we can both agree there. That, that, look, uh, I mean, all. just like anything in life, like at times you, you listen. I'll support the Patriots until the end of the end of the day, but like you could be a you know, have an objective mind about your team. <laughs> like it's okay. And you could, you know, you can admit when another team is better than yours, it's okay. Yeah. And and then we see Ida. Yes. Yeah, so another, Yankees, an, another great so franchise. There's that too. Yeah. I mean the best in, in sports history. Yes. Any, well, any I mean by championships. Yes. Uh, so all right, so rapid fire of the you know the questions I don't want to ask. I have to bring it up every time because I feel guilty for asking because RJ City's Twitter is always like, oh my god, what's your favorite match? Who's your favorite wrestler of all time? Like he's such a dick, <laughs> but he's he's great at it. Um, uh, so who was your favorite growing up? Who inspired you to get in the ring? Who in, who inspired you to watch? Right, so I'll, I'll break that down through the years. Uh, the first wrestler I saw that really captured my imagination as a young seven year old was the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, he was just, it didn't seem like that I was a human being with the, the face paint and just the, you know, WWF superstars, the lightning bolts going into his hands and stuff like that. Uh, unbelievable. And of course I was a Hogan guy. Uh, yeah, yeah Uncle Terry. <laughs> definitely. Uh, and then, um, you know, transitioned to Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, like I, Bret Hart's just such a great wrestler and, that was when I started really, you know, even at a younger age, really appreciating like the art of wrestling. And like, it didn't necessarily have to be like, uh, you know, like a Hulk Hogan, like structure thing. It, it, Bret Hart made, made me appreciate competitive wrestling and, and the athleticism of it. Uh, then as I got older in my teens, uh, Chris Jericho was the first guy that I, even as a bad guy, I was just like, man, but this guy is so much fun absolutely loved him and Chris Benoit also kind of in that Bret Hart vein where the matches just felt so authentic. Uh, then again, when I went and saw indie wrestling for the first time, Colt Cabana was somebody who really like, you know, the way that he even like made, like was almost like winking at the fact that this is a work. And I was like, Oh my God, like this is so amazing. Uh, Delirious from ring of honor was another one. Uh, and again, like throughout the years, like again, AJ Styles is hard to, you know, even as I'm older, like just, I enjoy watching his matches. Uh, Ric Flair is somebody who's just always been in my life and he's just always, you know, I would always be fascinated by him. Like even if I hated him, I would still keep him on the TV. Um, again, it's, it, I really just have an appreciation for all wrestlers, but you know, those are the ones that are kind of standing out even now, like. You know, during quarantine, I've been recently like watching a lot of old WCW, uh, and I've been watching Eddie Guerrero. Uh, and, and again, he's somebody who, of course, I I appreciated and always liked, but I'm really getting into the nuance of him, uh, and really like he's somebody who's kind of like moving up my list a bit too. 
it, it's something about watching wrestling, like older wrestling that we grew up with, going back and watching it as an adult, like watching guys like Eddie Guerrero and 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 Jericho. I mean, Jericho's been the goat forever, but like guys like Chris Benoit, even though you know, I always say this too: strike what he did, you know, personally, you know, whatever. I'm talking in ring, like just yeah. I mean, again, I guess we should always do the uh, asterisk. Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm talking. Yeah. We have to. It's like uh, we talk about Barry Bond home run record. Yeah, yeah but I'm record. talking strictly just what he did in the ring, and it, it was, you know, it, it was just the way he his matches just cut through everybody else's. Like everybody was at one level, he was just that next step up, and it was just on like just the way his intensity with everything was just unbelievable. And even a guy like how we're talking about, we can go back. Like that's one of the fun things about being a wrestler is I have all these memories. But now that, again, now that I'm a wrestler, kind of like behind, you know, the guardrail, so to speak, like you watch these matches in a totally different mindset and lights. And Ric Flair was somebody who like, you know, the older I get, the more of the more matches I've had. It's like, man, just you, I've learned to appreciate him on even a more and more and more greater level, which is awesome. Yeah the hour long broadways that he had, you know, I actually like, did. Who else could do that? I actually There's did an hour long match once, believe it or not. It, yeah. And actually I did it in training really? with uh, Mike Mondo, Mike, Mike from the spirit squad. Cause he, he, it was something that like, before I moved to Oregon yeah. briefly, like I was like, he, he said, Oh, you can do it. I'm like, no, I never thought I could. I'm like, well, before I move, we're doing this Mondo. And then literally the, the day before I moved, we did a 60 minute match. So, I, I, yeah, it's extremely grueling, but you know, it, it was something that like almost like it was my running a marathon. Like I had to do it once, and I was glad I did. And again, trust me, like after going through it yeah. once, like the fact that Ric Flair would do it night in and night out is is phenomenal. Do you, okay, so what goes into the psychology part of say having a, a fifteen minute match compared to an hour long match? Do you go in thinking, okay, we're going to have to do quite a bit of rest holds here? Or do you think, let's just do all we can do because we've got good cardio or whatever for the next six I minutes? Mean, I mean, even when you said 15 minutes, that's a long match on the indies. You know, I can't, I can't tell you how many times it's just like, ah, oh, six <laughs> right. to eight or eight to ten. It's just like, oh, all right, great. Like, it's those, those matches are a lot tougher in a way because, you know, you're only given so much time. Uh, so you're, you're obviously trying to stand out, but you're also like, if you're only given six to six to eight minutes, usually you're not in the main events and you're also being told like, Oh, you know, again, the main events doing this, the main events doing like, so you're kind of even limited in that sense too. And that's something that fans don't understand as well. Sometimes, um, I kind of, I prefer longer matches. I mean, I think every wrestler does just because you could take that time to, you know, work on your chain in the beginning of a match and start telling a story and building things up like that. Uh, like John Cena is a, a great wrestler. And like, I recently watched him versus CM Punk uh, from Raw. Uh, it was such a great match. And they spent like the first 10 minutes of it, you know, just real wrestling. It was, it was so good. And then John Cena would start doing a little bit of his comeback and then a little bit would be taken away. And I just loved it. And, it was because they were awarded the time to do that. So when you have like a 60 minute match, like granted, I listened to Mondo the whole time he carried me, but you know, afterwards when we talked about it, like it really wasn't as crazy as I thought it was going to be because 
you just kind of like, you, you know, if you know how to wrestle, you can do it. Um, and it's not exactly you do get, get into, into a flow. flow, you know, you kind of know to pace yourself. It makes you work slower, makes you, makes you understand the importance of selling moves. And again, I know this is going to sound like Jim Ross, like, Oh, work slower and sell, but it's the most, you as a wrestler, you're going to hear that phrase all the time. And it makes the most sense because that's how you're going to get mileage out of everything. That's how people are going to appreciate what you're doing. And they're going to buy into what you're doing more. If you're just taking a big move and getting up, then it's just like, Oh, that, that must not hurt. It's such a subconscious thing. And trust me, fans appreciate the athleticism, but uh, for, you know, for the, if you want to be up top, like a lot of times like that slowing down and making things register and be appreciated, it goes a long way. And that 60 minute match made me understand that a lot more. I owe a lot of things to Mike Mondo and that's uh, definitely one of them. What's your, uh, your favorite match that you've been in and then your favorite match of all time? Jeez. I, I wrestled Mondo. No, it's not, it's not cheesy, cheesy at all. There, there's, I, I mean, <laughs> I appreciate all my matches because I'm just fortunate enough to be able to have matches. Um, like that was my goal just to have one match. So I'm just grateful for all of them in so many different ways. I've had a couple like hardcore matches, one against uh, Papa Don in a Compton street fight, one against Dickie Rods in another street fight where I was bleeding all over the place. So just for like the fact that, yeah, I bled in a match, like that was, that was cool. Um, I won my first title in a triple threat match against Alex Reynolds and Tony Nice. And, you know, the peak behind the curtain was they were the ones that went to bat for me on that. And they wanted me to have that moment. So not only was it a moment like, wow, I've been doing this so long. I finally got a belt, but the fact that they went to bat for me, you know, meant the world to me. Um, and again, they made me look so much better than I truly am. Uh, I wrestled Mondo on a show. That was a special moment. Uh, I wrestled Hawkins and Pat Buck in like a tag gauntlet. And even though it was a brief moment, it was cool to wrestle, you know, Hawkins slash Brian Myers on a show and Pat Buck as well. Another person who I owe a lot to in wrestling. Obviously I appreciate my WWE matches, you know, just because I never thought I'd get there. Um, I had a tag match against LAX uh, or, uh, you know, Ortiz and Santana. Yeah. Uh, Again, uh, that was, that match was just unbelievably fun and great. And I was so happy with that. Uh, again, I, like I said, I, I know I threw a lot at you, but it was, th- those are all matches that I really, you know, truly appreciate. And, and I'm sure there's so many more that I'm leaving out and I apologize to everybody who, uh, I left out, but those were ones that, you know, just off the top of my head meant, you know, are sticking out to me, meaning a lot. Um, as far as ones that meant a lot to me watching, uh, I, I think Undertaker, uh, Shawn Michaels, WrestleMania 25, probably the best match of all time See, uh, 25 26. was the one that got me i think 26 go ahead you first See, 26 to me was because it was you knew it was sean's last match which i mean obviously you know we had the the saudi show that i try to not remember but it always comes up when i talk about this match but to me like being such a Shawn michaels fan as a kid like watching him like in the ring and he kisses his wife and you know, this is it. And, and you're just like, Oh fuck. 
But it was like it was also in turn you you knew that if somebody was going to beat Undertaker at WrestleMania, and for that reason, this is where we're going to have a respectful disagreement because when it was like, oh, if I don't win, I'm going to retire. It's just like, oh man, like you kind of knew the ending, or at least I felt I did. That's why 25 was so exciting because I really going into it, you had no idea who was going to win, and when those kickouts were happening toward the end of the match, it was just like, oh my god, like you really did not know until the until it was over like and that that emotional ride and there were so many subtle things in that match that Shawn michaels did that was just phenomenal uh, another great show, uh, match was uh jericho and Shawn michaels from 19 just a great back and forth athletic match uh kurt angle chris benoit from royal rumble i think it was 2003 uh yeah that that match was just incredible right, yeah. uh bret hart versus one two three kid uh, from a raw that we... oh yeah good god that match like i mean people are starting to talk about it more recently but for the longest time i mean you could get it on like a best mm-hmm. of raw dvd or, or something like 10 years ago and i was just like i remember watching it for the i remember time going holy shit like i don't remember that as a kid like i don't remember watching it on tv as a kid i know i did but I don't remember it. And then watching it later on, I was like, like oh my and God. And I remember watching that as a kid and it stuck on. with me. So when it was finally released on DVD, I'm like, I have to get this DVD. <laughs> Not that I would. I, yeah, well, it was, and again, it's one of those I'm matches that like, I'll watch it at least <laughs> once a year because it just inspires me all the time. Uh, again, there was this is a match from the indies, but uh, it, and this is just straight comedy. It was Colt Cabana and Jimmy Jacobs against Jack Evans and Roderick Strong. But what was special about it is Bobby Keenan was one manager and Jim Cornette was. And like I said, that was one of those moments where it made me think like, oh man, maybe I could do this one day. But man, they were every, it was a long match, but it was so entertaining. And that was, it was something that made an impression on me. There's so many more matches I'm leaving out. I mean, I, for this week, I just watched uh, Steve Regal versus Brian Pillman from Spring Stampede 94, I believe it was. Yeah, and again, like, I've never seen that match before, and it blew my mind. Blew my mind. Um, there, yeah. There's just so much out there that, like, I'll just watch and be like, I have an appreciation for. I think, you know, growing up in New York, you know, I'll have an appreciation for WWE stuff a little bit more just because the home base is right here and ECW as well like Taz versus Shane Douglas for the ECW title was just like everything to me at one point. So they're, they're, those, those are ones that I really just kind of are, are at the front of my brain. Man, this is, this has been really fun. Actually. I can't remember the last time I had somebody on just like, you know, a wrestler to talk about, you know, themselves and just wrestling in general and almost go an hour. I mean, it's been a while. Um, usually I try to keep like 20, 30 minutes, just like get your shit in and let's, you know, let's just do it. But that was me being burnt out. But I think me like looking forward to this since, like I said, November, we've been talking about, it. I think yeah, it's I appreciate that. So long, I well, you like, know what yeah, too, like, talk, you know? I'm, I um, really hate talking about myself. I'll, I'll talk up if you ask me questions, I'll be happy to answer them. But when it comes to wrestling, just, you can obviously hear the fan in me still coming out. Oh, definitely, dude. This was, I, I mean, if if nothing else, like, I hope people, even if they don't become a fan of yours. Yeah, if you don't become a fan of mine, you're an idiot, and I hate fan. you. <laughs> this is some evil kip right there. <laughs> All Patriots fans, come on the evil kip bandwagon. I am going to win 
at least six there world titles go. in honor of Tom Brady and this current dynasty. I will match what the Patriots do, and then I'll probably eclipse them as well. And then, then Mr. Kraft can hire me as a consultant. <laughs> uh, uh, one more question. Any uh, embarrassing stories in the ring or out of the ring at a show? You know, not just necessarily like everyday life. Like <laughs> well, it's store and you slipped on a banana peel. Well, I'm glad I don't have to tell the Any, grocery uh, story. Story. <laughs> yeah. uh, let me think. I, I mean, I've had some bad matches in front of people. And like, again, there's nothing worse as an indie wrestler than you drive a long distance. You go to a show you have a bad match and then you have to do that long drive home. There is no worse feeling in the world. Um, I'll go to a story in training. Um, actually, this will be my optimistic story. I, I have two. There was one time where I just kept on messing up a drill. And then like the owner of the school yelled at me in front of everybody just saying, and this is when I first started to was just like, what the heck are you? You're just a no good backyarder. You have, you just disrespected your trainer. You just disrespected the school. You're never going to get it. And it was just like, Oh, that was disheartening. That was just the worst, but it was a good thing. I I rose above that. Um, And this was my, this will be an optimistic story. So I had a practice match. This was before I was on shows and it was such a terrible match. And the person who I was wrestling with, like during that match, like was like, I got to do this kip and then just started really punching me and really kicking me and really just, just, you know, took out a lot of frustration on me. And then after the match was just like, you know, you're, what's the matter with you? And, and just like, you know, you just wasted my time. And it just, again, feeling low, lower than dirt. And then Tremperetta walks by me. And at the time, like, even though he was still in the school, we, we knew he was signed and he was, it was pretty much just like within his last month before he moved down to Tampa so he goes, hey, Kip, do you want to have a match? And I looked at him and was like, ah, oh, no, I stink. I'm never going to get this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm terrible in the ring. I'm just going to hurt you. And I went on like, you know, felt like a 20-minute diatribe about how I'm never going to figure out this wrestling thing. And he just looks at me and he goes, oh, okay, man. Hey, you want to have a match? And it was like, did you just listen to what I said? And then... <laughs> But, but you know what we did? We went in there and then it's a, a, and we had a match and it was fine. Like, I don't remember anything that happened in the match, but all I remember was it went fine. And it was like the perfect thing at the perfect time. And it was one of those like, wow, you know, okay, maybe, maybe I can do this because again, here's a guy under contract and he didn't have to waste his time on me, but he did. And he gave me that kind of, confidence boost right at the perfect moment i needed it so I, I i will always tell that story even though he doesn't remember it and i'll always be uh in debt to him yeah ask me all you want what well, ask you a final question and it was it it well no i was gonna say this was gonna be my final question but i already know the answer to it so i was gonna ask you what your your career highlight to this point had been but there's no point in saying that because I know your career highlights are yet to come because I know that as a fan, I know you're going to make it. And as somebody who kind of, you know, through the grapevine knows you, I will take that answer all the time. I, I, that was really like, talk about me, you know, feeling great about myself right now. Thank you so much for that.
You're welcome, man. Yeah, hey, whenever. I've trust me. It. Like, Let's do it again. Like I said, I, I talking about myself, not the best app, but I can talk about wrestling all day. It doesn't bother me at all. All right. Well, next time I <laughs> need a guest man. host, I'll give you a call. Yep. All right. Take care. Oh wait. Okay. Uh, uh, social media, Instagram calls. and Twitter at Francis Kip S T V N S. I couldn't spell Stevens, so that's why I shortened. Uh, Facebook uh, Francis Kip Stevens, completely spelled. Uh, I may be changing that, so if that changes, uh, I'm sure you'll still be able to find me because I'm awesome. I think you can just. That's what I like to hear. <laughs> you pop up. Yes, See, and Grover you know, is also I mean, very good. Like, we will not defame any Muppets while I'm <laughs> while I'm on the show. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. For yeah, hopefully, I entertained you guys. Thank you so much for having me. We got it done. All right, bye bye. Oh, you did. You did great. All right. I'm still a mouthful. Yes, I did. I He's like, last time. Dick Support for this episode has been provided by Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks. If counting macros makes your head spin, count instead on a snack by Ratio. They've done the math for you, so you can spend less time studying the label and more time enjoying your day. Creamy and delicious, try strawberry and vanilla for two grams of carbs and a unique combination of sugar and protein. Interested? Ratio Keto-Friendly Dairy Snacks are now available in the yogurt aisle at Walmart. Always consult your physician before starting an eating plan that involves regular consumption of high-fat foods. Regina King for Cadillac Escalade. When people ask, Regina, do you like to compete? I say, bring it on. Those are the moments that drive you to achieve more. And when you win, you keep reaching higher. To me, that's what the Cadillac Escalade represents. It's always evolving in technology, in design, everything. Because success isn't the end. It's just the first step to what comes next. The 2021 Cadillac Escalade. Never stop arriving.